This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. All right, good evening. Welcome in overtime here on 106.7 The Fan. Scott Jackson with you tonight. We have a little bit more time tonight, about two hours and ten-ish minutes or two hours and five minutes now that I've actually looked at the clock. So last night it was the express edition of overtime where we had like 55 minutes. So a lot to get to. Ben Raby, we'll talk caps. Ovi's chase of 800, which is well within reach, obviously, at this point when they – Get ready to face the Blackhawks tonight. He is at 797. Ben will join us at 7. We'll talk about the resurgent caps. Uh, and obviously, Obi's chase of history. And the opportunity for the caps to uh, continue that streak tonight against a struggling Blackhawks team. So we'll get into all that. Health of the caps is on the upswing potentially as well. Um, so we'll talk about that with Ben Raby, the voice of the pregame for the Capitals. And intermissions in postgame, the host of Capitals Radio Network when he joins us at 7. Uh, 7.30, Nick Ackridge from PFF talking Commanders, Giants with us. Uh, Nick does great breakdowns on the Commanders with the PFF stuff. And um, uh, based off of the last Giants game, I want to get his thoughts on what was good, what wasn't good from that game that may be able to – they could take over, obviously, too. The rematch on Sunday for – what well, feels like an elimination game, at least for the Giants. I mean, the Giants is almost like win or else. Um, commanders obviously, you know, are in you know in a tougher spot if they lose, but they're not nearly as bad of a spot as the Giants are, who would be winless in the division. I mean, I was goofing around with this last night, but I actually believe it to be true that a tie, <laughs> a second tie, would actually not hurt the Commanders. Uh, nearly as much as it would hurt the Giants, obviously, who, who again, are winless in the division. Uh, their only other crack at a division win would be against the Eagles uh, last week of the season. And that may or may not mean anything. Who knows, right? That may or may not mean anything at that point, much like uh, the Commanders' last game of the season against the Dallas Cowboys. So the team um, will be back. was back on the field today. Not an open session for the media. Um, tomorrow's really a big day because the first injury report will come out. We'll get some ideas. But today, Ron Rivera did do a Zoom uh, with the uh, media and did discuss quite a few things. A lot of guys on the uptick in terms of health. Um, Benjamin St. Juiced, very importantly, who uh, has been out for the last few weeks. They've been able to hide that somewhat well, although obviously in the last game against the Giants, they quickly had to get Danny Johnson out there. Um because Christian Holmes was having some issues, the rookie. But, you know, kind of like buried in all the stuff today. Uh, Jamin Davis had to have some procedure on his thumb. Nothing serious, so keep him off the field. You know, Sam Cosme's still dealing with his ankle. It's kind of wait and see. Uh, you know, Gibson's been dinged up. You know, they also uh, have Trey Turner um, trying to get back on the field as well, potentially, which could be important. Because if you have a guard out and you got Schweitzer, you know, the ability to play him at center if you wanted to. I'll be interested to see how they line up tomorrow. Uh, we get some more information on that kind of stuff. 
Uh, if they go with him or go with Nick Martin, who at times had problems getting the shotgun snaps and the pistol snaps back to the quarterback properly, kind of an important thing. So all those things. And, of course, Carson Wentz uh, continues to make progress today. The big proclamation of Carson is he will be the second quarterback this week. So, again, we were discussing this last night a little bit uh, about the quarterbacks here, and I was – talking about how goofy the situation was this weekend, but not crazy in Houston when they played both quarterbacks. They said, you know, I mean, you know, the commanders, do you get some positives from Taylor, his ability to not put you behind the chains, um, you know, but you lose some of that downfield stuff. Would you dare work in a package of Carson Wentz this week? Well, I don't think they'll do it, but, you know, it's it's food for thought. And if you look at, again, the Giants, what they're really bad at, their run defense is bad. I mean, they, they get pushed around. You saw the Eagles do it again to them this weekend. This is the type of game they should be able to ground and pound the Giants into submission at FedEx Field, especially coming in fresh. You would like to think, uh, you know, being the team that, that had the extra time, you didn't have to, you know, get ready for a game in between the last game. A lot of, a lot of positives going towards the Commanders this weekend as to why they, they should be the favorite and should feel like they can – knock the Giants out and obviously improve their playoff position to almost 90%. I mean, a win would almost put them at a 90% playoff projection. It would get you to 8. I think the magic number is probably 9. I mean, God, if you got the 10, of course you're going to get in. This year in the NFC, that would be, you know, super if you get three of the last four. Uh, but, again, you, you got to get this one because it's the biggest one. Not because it's the next one, because of the tie-break scenarios and all the things involved here. But here was, here was Ron Rivera today, uh, the quote uh, from the sheet the team sent out a little few hours ago. On Carson Wentz, this was the very end of the of the Zoom. He said he looked he's looked good. He's had a couple of weeks of work. The first week was on the side. The second week he was integrated into some of the defensive stuff. He threw with receivers, and then last week he was off. We chose not to make a move last week, and then we made the move yesterday to activate him. Uh, think everything should go accordingly. He'll be the primary backup going into this game, and we'll go from there. Now, I know the and we'll go from there part <laughs> sets off some alarms. And I get it. I get it. Uh, and again, I, I believe right after, you know, the news when he was started to come back, you know, Ron Rivera kind of gave the lukewarm, you know, Taylor is our guy, right, for the rest of the, um, you know, moving forward. But he didn't say for the rest of the season. He never said that. He said he'll be our guy. You know, I don't want him looking over his shoulder, but we're going to go with Taylor. Uh, but he also kind of left it open-ended as a week-to-week. And Albert Breer at the time in his story made it seem much more of a week-to-week scenario. Like, they're just going to play this week-to-week. If he keeps winning, he's the quarterback. If, if you know, everything's going well, he's the quarterback. But if it's not going well, then, well, you know, then we got something to talk about potentially. So that's kind of where Ron is right now, right? He's not saying, you know, hey, if Taylor throws one pick in this game, I got Wentz warming up. But he's also not saying that, you know, hey, Taylor's gotten us to 5-1-1. One, and one. I feel really good about him either. I mean, they just kind of like, we'll wait and see, you know, after this week. So I get it. I mean, I, I, I see where this could potentially go uh, if Heineke doesn't play well. But usually when he's in these moments of, oh, my God, he's, you know, this is his last shot kind of stuff is when he rises up and plays the best. I mean, he can end all the little background noise by playing better. Obviously, and we're going to talk about that a lot more. Uh, we talked to Nick Ackridge. What have been the things that he has not done well? And again, I'll continue to say, I, I just need to see the guy that looked like he may never get a start again. And I, we just haven't seen that often enough from him um, in this last year plus, even going back to last year. 
you know, when he became the full-time starter when, obviously, Ryan Fitzpatrick got knocked out. And really, they never had Kyle Allen fully healthy enough to get him on the field until, I believe, that Dallas game uh, when, when Heineke got concussed or whatever happened. I don't know if they called it a concussion or not in that game. Then he came in, played a little bit, and then Allen played a mop-up in the second Cowboys game. Of course, in between, everybody got covid uh, and then they got the kid off the streets to play quarterback in Philadelphia, and it was just a crazy you-know-what show from there on out. But anyway, again, Heineke can end all this stuff by just going out and handling business and playing clean football. And, you know, again, I don't think it's anything astonishing he has to do. They're not. I'm not expecting this team to put up 35 points a week, but that one extra touchdown, that one extra scoring drive – could go a long way for a defense that's obviously, you know, right now top ten. I mean, the defensive numbers are really good, and uh, they have been living up to the hype as of late. So we we shall see, uh, you know, what this means. And, again, I you know, I don't know if Ron meant to be kind of a little, you know, like leaving the door open today when, when talking about Carson, but I, I, he has to understand that anything he says in regards to the quarterback is going to be nitpicked and put under the CIS lights or is it CSI? CSI, I guess. Sorry, my bad. Uh, CSI lights, uh, you know, the black lights and all that stuff. To see where the fingerprints are. All right, coming up, um, we'll get back into some other things uh, from the Commanders and Giants rematch. And also, uh, we'll get to um, Nick Ackridge at 7.30. We'll talk about what has been the biggest issues for Taylor Heineke in this passing offense over these last few weeks. Because there's tons of weapons. Oh, ton of weapons. And certainly uh, the offensive line issues did not help him in the last Giants game with the protection, but he certainly uh, could have helped himself. We'll get to all that stuff coming up. It is uh, overtime. Scott Jackson in here on 106.7 The Fan, streaming live on the free Odyssey app. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Uh, welcome back here on Overtime on 1067 The Fan. Scott Jackson with you. Hope you're having a good Tuesday night. We're here until Caps Hockey, the pregame, the man who hosted um, Ben Raby will be with us at the top of the hour. We'll get into all things Caps. They're getting a little healthier. They're winning. 
Obi's chasing history. A lot of good things going on. A lot of good things going on. Then there's the Wizards. But anyway, save that for later in the program. All right, uh, Nick Ackridge also will talk um, Commanders and Giants with us coming up at uh, 7 or 30, 730, yes, 730. 730 Eastern. All right, just got a tweet from a memo checking in. Thank you. Checking in. my Checking in with my guy. Please answer this for me. Why aren't they rolling out Heineke to possibly scramble and run? Where the hell is this guy? He's got the pylon jump. Well, if you remember, a couple weeks ago, it's been yeah, it's been a couple weeks. Yeah, the Falcons game, he actually did roll out. Fairly, you know, they did some bootlegs, and I will say that Atlanta did a fine job sitting on those plays. Um, where, where he's made his hay as a scrambler slash runner, not really been bootleg. It's not been um, a guy that is a zone read. You know, you know. He's not been that guy. What what he's been good at is sneaking through the tackles and the guard, um, you know, ducking out and making plays that way. That's where he's been at his best in, in his college and pro career. I mean, he was not a read option guy in college. I mean, they were spread offense. They threw the ball like crazy at Old Dominion, and that's what he did. And, yeah, his check down was his legs a lot of times when, you know, those those – those tackles and guards, they get a big space there, and there's that big, you know, there's running lanes, and that's what he would do. But, he, you know, I would say this. I also say, look, there's been a year of him playing pro football. Uh, defenses aren't stupid. I mean, they have some principles that they stick to uh, to take away some of that stuff as well. But, yes, it does feel like he's playing, to me, at times, like a guy that, you know, just wants to make sure he's in there the following week. But now that his head coach has kind of, you know, been a little vague, shall we say? We'll go from there. Um, kind of the week to week thing. I would suspect, uh, you know, now he understands that you know you're not just going to be able to be okay because there is another option now. I mean, there, there's a, there is a guy who they spent a lot of money, um, you know, in terms of the salary cap, and you know they gave up two picks for that's in play again. So you get you got to look at it that way too. I'm not saying he's going to be reckless and stupid, but he's certainly got to be a little bit more little bit more, um, you know, of a playmaker. You know, and that, that's the thing that's been frustrating. I just feel like he has not been as much of a playmaker because we know he can't be. Now, he was in that final drive and the regulation uh, against the Giants to get them into overtime, right? But there was, you know, there was also some other stuff in there that wasn't so hot. And, you know, people have been fixating on the overthrow of Logan Thomas. Again, go back and watch the, you know, the Lions game uh, and the Jags game and a couple others where, you know, Wentz overthrew the same, you know, over to Logan Thomas as well. I mean, let's not pretend that Carson was some freaking savior. I mean, his one really high-quality game that they won was the Jacksonville game. And the only reason it was – a nail biter was because of his two interceptions in the red zone. <laughs> you know, excuse me, in his own, in his own, uh, you know, in the other team's red zone, <laughs> not his red zone. Uh, I mean, you know, he set him up on the doorstep twice. The Jags. So let's not act like, you know, this was some guy who was just blowing it up. And the last game we saw. You know, it was pretty horrible against the Bears. Now, granted, he had a broken finger after halftime, but they were playing the style. Everybody um, says, oh, yeah, they could just plug Carson and play the same thing, and it would work just as wonderful. Yeah, well, they were like 1 of 11 on third down. I mean, that's that's the other part of this formula. I mean, the time of possession uh, is so crazy for the commanders right now. I mean, they're they're just killing it in the time of possession world. 
and that's part of what wins for them. Like that, that's part of what's made that you know, yeah, the defense has been really good, but you don't think it's helped them a lot that they possess the heck out of the football. I mean, they have an edge in the time of possession in the first meeting of the Goods of Giants, and it was the seventh straight time they've had an edge in the time of possession, and the tenth time in twelve games overall. I mean, no team has possessed the ball for more time this season than the Commanders in the NFL, according to the numbers. So, yeah, I mean, that's certainly not – it ain't, you know, like Pat Mahomes sexy, you know, Buffalo Bills are on, on all cylinders sexy, but this is the way they have to play until they get that position settled. And, you know, maybe a little bit of Carson wouldn't be the worst thing in the world, but to tell me that he's going to – you know, if he were to be your starter again – Dropping back over 35 times, I don't know. I don't, I, you don't feel good about that. I don't feel ultimately confident about that. And I think coming into the season, you know, a lot of the discussion was kind of replicating some of the things they did with the Colts with him. And, you know, they had a couple games they tried it fairly well. Other games they seemed to either get behind so bad they couldn't replicate it or they just seemed really pass happy. So these are – kind of the things you don't it just doesn't it's not just a salt a fix-all to put him back out there but it's certainly you know at this point when you got to win every game you know you can't shut the door on the idea if you're Ron Rivera and again he was the guy who did all the analytics for this thing even though Dan Snyder in his testimony with Congress said that it was Martin Mayhew but whatever <laughs> he works for Ron or they work together or however you want to look at that but whatever I mean that's who they went with ultimately and they put, like I said, put a lot of stock in him, put a lot of cap money uh, in him. They, they a couple picks. I think most people would vote him off at this point. You know, if you were asking, polling people in the community, do you want to go into next season with him taking up $25 million of your cap space? Most people would say, no, thank you. But I don't know if they're all convinced, which is a little, little, little frightening. A little frightening, but we'll see. They don't have to worry about that right now. But as long as he's on the roster, I get it. I mean, he's actually played in playoff games. You know, I mean, that's the way you got to look at it. He's the most experienced of the guys you have. So, yes, you can't close your mind to any of it if you need him, if you need something, if you need some type of spark, if this offense can't take advantage of what appears to be a Giants team leaking oil. All right, we'll get to more of that coming up. We'll hit the caps coming up on the other side. Ben Raby's going to join us, Obi's chase of history. Big-time goaltending of late for the Caps as well, and that's what they spent on this offseason. Good to see it is paying dividends now. We'll get to it all straight ahead. It is the overtime program here on 106.7 The Fan and streaming live and free always on the Odyssey app. Hey, everyone. Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us, and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. All right, back here in overtime, 106.7 The Fan. Here until about 8.45 tonight that Ben Raby will take over with the Capitals pregame, getting you ready for Caps and Chicago Blackhawks. Ben Raby, good enough to join us right now on the BetQL guest hotline. Good evening, Ben. How you doing? Good, Scott. How are you? Excellent. Caps doing well, too, aren't they? A little bit of a roll lately uh, as uh, they have turned things around since I think the last time you and I spoke. 
Uh, yeah, yeah, they have in a big way. Now they're playing very well of late. They were due for a turnaround like this. Uh, question is, how sustainable is this? But yeah, winners of four straight and seven of ten. And that's it, Scott, just to give folks an idea of the hole they dug themselves in early this year. Despite that stretch, four in a row, seven of ten, still on the outside of a playoff spot. So still some ground to make up here. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it is. Uh, it, you're, you're right that it was a big hole that they put themselves in, and now they got to try to climb out at this point. Now, of course, during all this, you know, we have had the chase of um, you know Alex Ovechkin in history. Now we're getting into one of those other great milestones. Just three goals away from uh, 800. Also, what five back now from Gordy Howe, if I'm doing the correct math. So, I mean, we're we're talking about some big big things here ahead. Is it? Going to get a little wild, do you think, on the road in terms of who's falling this team and, you know, yeah. for these moments? And is it going to just kind of be like brighter lights uh, each, each city they go to and then when they're back at home as well? Yeah, well, look, just over the past couple of weeks, tonight, by the way, is the conclusion of a, a real road-heavy portion of their schedule, including tonight, culminating tonight. It's eight of nine on the road. And among the places they've been to, Vancouver, Edmonton, Calgary, Winnipeg, in other words, north of the border where there's already plenty of attention and no doubt Alex Ovechkin and his teammates for that matter getting asked a lot of the similar line of questioning related to the milestone watch. But yeah, you you do notice it. We have noticed it. And it'll be good for the team. It'll be good for OV coming back home now after tonight. Four of the next five will be at home leading into the holiday break. And so a little home cooking here. Maybe the fans can see one of those milestones, either 800 or 801 or 802 is the inches closer to Gordy Howe. But, yeah, there's been a buzz around the team. We've seen it throughout the years. This is nothing new for the Capitals, for Ovi to get extra attention. But that said, for early December, for, you know, games 25 through 35, if you want to say, where we are now in the schedule, yeah, there's been a noticeable buzz uh, surrounding the team. Yeah, and listen, we've discussed this many times together, um, but you, you never really can should uh, take it for granted. Like, the career is, is incredible, and just to see the numbers, and we, we've lived it, we, we just kind of know it. I mean, I think, I don't know how many years ago it was he was supposedly done, right? I mean, we had <laughs> that national yeah. media was like, he's done, he's never going to be a 50-goal scorer, let alone a 40-goal scorer again, this, that, and the other, and then he's, you know blown by all those things since then and it just he, he seems to always be able to find another gear and the the brighter lights doesn't seem to bother him no and, and what i like to point out to folks always like when we talk about not to take it for granted let's look at the capitals next home game which is two nights from now okay thursday night they're playing the dallas stars okay it's dallas week scott it's attached yes, that's dallas, right okay? yes. we've got we've got but we've got dallas in town okay let's subjectively acknowledge it's a run-of-the-mill interconference game. Dallas Stars are a good team, but it's you know in the middle of December. It's game, whatever it's going to be, number 32 on the regular season. But folks in attendance on Thursday night have a chance to witness something special. Again, whether it's OV getting closer to 800 or 801 or 802 here at right. number two on the all-time list. Like, if you think about it, if we're talking like, you know, five or ten years from now, okay, December 17th, 2032, the Dallas Stars are in town on a random thursday night in december it's not going to have that same oomph that same buzz of course it won't and just i hope folks realize that in this market following this team for the years that ovechkin and backstrom have been here you know ultimately you want that playoff success ultimately you want what we all experienced in 2018 as a city here 
but they don't give out the Stanley Cup on December 17th, okay? You could go to the game on, on Thursday, you could go watch Ovechkin, and you could watch history. And I think we're very fortunate that we've been able to witness that, whether as broadcasters, as media, fans in this market, hockey fans, sports fans, whatever it might be. It, it really has been something special. It's, it's not only hockey history, it's sports history. And, um, yeah, really, it, it certainly is not lost on me, and I hope it's not lost on others as well. Yeah, I don't. Hopefully not. I I don't think it is. But uh, you know, you just you, you just need to put that out there. Like you know, enjoy it. It's a long season. I get it. There's 30 games in, but you're almost halfway in. By the way, to this season. I mean, we're we're getting close to the halfway point, which is wild to think. And we're you know not even at the first of the year yet. So uh, let's get to this. They spent heavily uh, this off season, obviously, to upgrade the goaltending. And lately, that is really been coming into focus because obviously Lindgren uh, just got uh, some honors as the first star, right? And he's he's been yep. terrific lately. Not that he was bad before, but he's really seemed to take it to another level. What, what do you think has been different for him? Is it all about his play, or do you think it has been also the guys in front of him playing better? Yeah, no, it's definitely both. I mean, the storyline with Charlie Lindgren is that really he is an old-school, traditional backup goaltender. And what I mean by that is more and more these days across the league, you tend to have more of the new age tandems. You know, here in Washington, we had Samsonov and Banachek. It was sort of a 1A, 1B, and they split the starts almost evenly. It's been different this year. When healthy, you know, Darcy Kemper is out with an upper body injury now. He's day-to-day. He's expected back shortly, but for now he's out. But when healthy, Kemper is carrying the bulk of the workload, and Charlie Lindgren is making the odd appearance once every 10 days, once every two weeks, etc., this has been different here over the course of this four-game winning streak. He has started all four out of necessity with Kemper out. And that said, good on Charlie Lindgren. He's taken full advantage of this. As you noted, the first star of the week, the NHL's player of the week. He's won all four of his starts. He's been very good. He's got a calming sort of presence about him in goal, the rebound control, et cetera. It's just, you know, it's not flailing around back there. He's just very steady, for lack of a better term. And that said, in addition, you asked about the play in front of him. The Capitals are playing very well defensively. And going back to some of the early season struggles, Capitals have had issues at times finding the back of the net, and they've had issues offensively at five-on-five even strength. And that, to an extent, is to be expected given how many headliners they've been without up front. When you're not scoring, you got to play better defensively to keep yourselves in these games. And over the course of these past couple of weeks, especially on this latest stretch, again, eight of nine on the road, the play defensively has really, really been better. Again, is it sustainable? Go back to what I asked off the top. Is it sustainable? We'll see. But over this last little stretch, you you get a good feeling that maybe the foundation is being laid for some success in the second half of the season. The the way they're playing now is, is, you know, conducive to to some long-term, some potential long-term success. Ben Raby joins us on the BetQL guest hotline. Sports betting has come to Maryland. Don't place that first bet without checking. With BetQL, BetQL analyzes every game to find the most profitable betting opportunities. Get three days free of BetQL access by downloading the BetQL app or visiting BetQL.com. All right, Ben, of course, will be up around 845 tonight with the pregame show Caps and the Blackhawks uh, as the Caps try to make it five in a row. Uh, They're getting healthier, too. I mean, a lot of the – 
talk obviously coming into the season was, you know, Nicholas Backstrom, will we ever get to see him again? And, of course, when will Tom Wilson play uh, this year? I, I note, I've noted that, uh, that seeing that they've taken them on the road, is, is that significant or is that more just part of the rehab process, Ben, to, to kind of get a closer eyes on the guys as they, as they work back? Yeah, no, it's both, but it, it it is significant. Yeah, no, it's 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 very significant. Uh, our antennas went up a little bit, to be honest, Scott, that they were both on the trip talking about Wilson and Backstrom. And the thought all along has been that Wilson could potentially return to the lineup maybe late December, Christmas time, early January into the new year. That goes back to the summer time frame that, you know, we were we were provided from the team. So, so. Wilson, you know, you follow that timeline, it would suggest, okay, inching closer towards, you know, uh, an anticipated scheduled return. Backstrom, there's been so many questions surrounding his long-term future, you know, might he ever play again, that type of thing. And the sense I get is there's still a lot of benchmarks that he still has to hit. You know, they haven't had contact in practices, that type of thing. But from speaking to some folks who have been on the road, who have seen him over the past few days, he's skating really well. And the mobility for Backstrom, which, you know, over the years has been a strength of his, uh, it wasn't the case over the past few years as he dealt with this hip ailment, and especially when he came back late last season. Uh, the wheels weren't where they needed to be for Backstrom. So the fact that he is skating and skating well uh, is an encouraging sign. Again, how is he going to handle some physicality, be it in practice or when he potentially returns and, and starts to get games under his belt? That's a bigger question. But the fact that he's on the road at this time of year, not even having hit January, I think that's a pleasant surprise organizationally. Again, they'll have decisions to make when he has to when he's eligible to return because of the salary cap yeah. considerations. But at least the fact that he's at this stage, I think from a personal standpoint, you know, Nick Backs from the person and the teammate and the leader on the team. I think that's very encouraging. No, it's it's just fantastic. Yeah, um, before we let you go, you mentioned the Capitals' issues. You know, sometimes scoring. I couldn't help but notice today looking at the Blackhawks. I mean, they're is oh, that yeah. the worst scoring team in hockey by like a lot, right? I mean, what is going on yeah. there? Yeah, yeah. No, they've, uh, I mean, here, here, perspective here. They, they've lost three in a row. They've been outscored 9 1 in their last three. <laughs> they have one goal in their last three games. That's awful. Um, yeah, no, they, they've been at the bottom bottom of the barrel for, for much of the season in, in all statistical categories. But yeah, the offense is, is dry. And I mean, Really, Scott, they, they've they've done this for themselves. They made a decision as an organization. You know, Dylan Strome is here in Washington. Why? Because the Blackhawks didn't make him a qualifying offer in the summer. They let him walk for nothing when they could have retained him as a restricted free agent. They traded some other high-end talent. I mean, they're basically trying to gut things in Chicago, gut it completely, go for high picks in the draft. Uh, you know, I think tank is the term. Some yeah, I think the tank, yeah. Using, yeah. The process. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and when you do that, the goals, it's, they dry up, Scott. Yeah, everything dry That's and, and so do the fans usually, too. Uh, yeah. Ben Ravy, Capitals radio host. You'll hear him uh, in about an hour and a half from now here on 106.7 The Fan around the Capitals radio network at Ben Ravy 31 on Twitter. Well, enjoy it tonight. Hopefully, uh, maybe Ovi can you know hit three uh, before he comes home. That would be something. But I know a lot of people want to see him do it on the home ice, but at least knock a few more down tonight. Stay up late. The only local call of the game, Scott, on 106.7 The Fan and the Capitals Radio Network and national TV side 
on ESPN. So appreciate it. Thanks, Scott. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you, Ben. Appreciate you coming on, as always. All right, Ben Raby via the BetQL guest hotline. Yeah, that's right, the national TV. That's why I think we have the goofy time star, too, right? I mean, you know, Chicago Central time, I get it, but they would usually play earlier. So that is correct tonight, the national game. And, yeah, here, uh, John Walton coming up uh, at 8 o'clock, or excuse me, 9 o'clock, hello, 8 Central, uh, when the puck drops tonight. And Ben will get you ready starting at 8.45 here on 106.7 The Fan. All right, we'll take a timeout and come back. Nick Ackridge is going to join us at uh, the bottom of the hour. We'll get to some of these commanders offensive issues uh, coming off the last game against the Giants and uh, what needs to be corrected and what should they keep in the playbook uh, coming up this week because Nick did find a lot of things he liked from Scott Turner's offense this past week. We'll talk about that with him when he joins us at the bottom of the hour. It is uh, the one and only overtime show here on 106.7 The Fan Streaming Live on the Free Odyssey app. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right, back here in overtime. 106.7 106.7 The Fan, Scott Jackson with you. We're here till about 8.45 tonight and hand it over Ben Raby, who was just our guest. Thanks to Ben for joining us, talking Capitals. And, and the Nicholas Backstrom thing is actually amazing. The fact that uh, he's making the progress, if, if all is as it seems with his um, potential returns, incredible, absolutely incredible. Because, you know, as Ben pointed out and many others did when they – talked about what he was going to go through this offseason with that surgery. I mean, this seemed like an ender. I mean, it was, this was not a – this wasn't even like a thing that you would think he would ever be able to come back from. It's pretty remarkable. I mean, really is if he gets back on the ice and is at any level. Um, it's, it's crazy because the way the way it was presented, it made it just sound so hopeless, you know. You know, because sadly, kind of like with, you know, the Steven Strasburg situation with the carpal whatever the hell that thing's called that nobody comes back from the, ever. You know, that has, you know, people have, but they've never been good afterwards. This thing that Backstrom was going through, they made it sound like he'd be, again, lucky to be able to feel good, let alone, you know, skate again or play hockey. I mean, that's incredible. All right, we'll get to, um, as I said, some commander stuff coming up. Nick Ackridge is going to join us at the uh, bottom of the hour. Big breaking story. Not that it's shocking. I mean, obviously, if you saw Monday Night Football last night, you knew something wasn't good, uh, but the Cardinals um, have lost – you know, Kyler Murray for the season you know, towards ACL last night. It was just a weird thing. I mean, he's running, he's in open field, and all of a sudden, bam, he's he's on the ground, and you know, he's done for the year. And an ACL for a running quarterback in December of this year, you just got to wonder, like, when are you going to see the guy again, right? Is he going to start the season? And if he's not a, a mobile quarterback, is he really even – you know, a, a real starting quarterback for you if you're the Cardinals. That's that's the other thing. And this was a weird offseason anyway for them where they had the whole, you know, did Kyler want to be there, did he not want to be there, and then they had to go through the whole contract thing eventually. They paid him very well. And then for this to happen, people are really down on their front office, their coach who, you know, has <laughs> somehow bamboozled himself into an extension there. <laughs> Cliff Kingsbury, man, God bless you. <laughs> I don't know how he pulled it off. 
Guy's been a mediocre head coach everywhere, and his teams usually just die at the end of seasons. They're just horrible, horrible finishers at every level. But, hey, got an extension, man. Unbelievable. Something to be said for looking cool in the Zoom, I guess. I don't know. His cool house in the draft that year, the the virtual draft where they kept showing his house. I don't know, man. It's wild. Uh, 49ers also today, the other big injury piece that today was Debo Samuel is probably going to be out three-ish weeks. Kyle Shanahan revealing, obviously, that takes him out of uh, a very important game Thursday night when they play um, the uh, Seattle Seahawks. And, oh, yeah, they play the Commanders on Christmas Eve. And Brock Purdy is maybe a game-time decision for them at quarterback. I mean, could they possibly get – do they have any more quarterbacks at this point? I mean, it's crazy to think that they may be down to another quarterback. But, you know, who knows? I mean – in this game, I mean, for them, it looks like a tremendous, tremendous setup for them getting the opportunity to play, um, you know, getting to play the Commanders with that extra rest, you know, and the Commanders will be playing on Sunday night with this short week and all that stuff. You know, it seems like a huge advantage to the Niners. You know, in a lot of ways it is, but, I mean, if they're, they're running out of people at some point, maybe it's not as big an advantage as it initially appeared to be scheduled. These things tend to happen. I mean, especially since Ron Rivera's here for the command. I mean, like, goofy things happen to the opponent sometimes, right? Like, they go to these games where, like, this team's been world beaters or whatever, and then, like, suddenly people are missing <laughs> for whatever reason. Well, he's had a lot of these kind of things that just kind of fall into place for him, uh, you know, in different parts of the first three seasons he's been here, including, obviously, the, the COVID year where they did make the playoffs with the goofy 7-9 and nine record. But this, you know, this might fall under that category as well as one of these things that just kind of, you know, conveniently works itself out. The the disadvantaged schedule game, then suddenly, oh, yeah, they're missing their best players on offense game. So maybe it's not as horrible as it appeared to be from the jump. But that's, you know, that's another week from now. We got, we got to talk about the Giants this week who have been pretty putrid uh, for a few weeks going Oh three and one of their last four games. Yet all that being said, they still have won more games this season at seven than they have in six seasons. When they won eleven games in twenty sixteen. They need to win two of their final games to finish only their second winning season since twenty thirteen. I mean, the weird thing about the Giants is and they've had these obviously these two great Super Bowls, right, with Eli Manning. But there was a lot of crap in between. I mean, like I mean crap. I mean, it was wild. Yeah, and they did have you know a year where their their record was good, and they didn't get anything out of it, uh, as well as a division champion. But you know, there's also been just like this huge bottoming out. And we forget that they've been since Tom Coughlin left. This is the third coach since Tom Coughlin retired. I mean, it's crazy to think that, uh, you know, because it doesn't seem like that long ago, but it was. Um, also worth noting, you know, the Giants, they are in among the. Um, worst teams in terms of penalties, although it sure felt like when Washington played them two weeks ago that the flags were going the other way. They're in the bottom ten of the league in terms of penalties. Giants have not lost at FedEx Field in consecutive seasons since the 2011 and 2012 seasons. Of course, 2012 is the last like high leverage game for both teams that was played here, and that was a primetime game as well. You may remember it was a Monday nighter. 
uh, the RG3 year, Washington wanted to set up the following week's big game uh, with the Cowboys to finish off that 2012 season. It was a Sunday nighter. It was the all-for-nothing game. But the um, the game in 2016, they didn't even need it, and they still beat you know Kirk and the crew in that game where they had to have it, and, of course, they didn't, which is still one of the great mysteries of uh, of that game. Of the of the Kirk Cousins era, um, how flat and horrific that team was that after that evening, just awful. It was a late game, and they just they sucked. I mean, it, they just flat out were not ready to play football outside of like a handful of players. One of the most bizarre, frustrating games in quite some time. So you see the Giants coming in, you just think about those games. But this one means everything for both teams at this point going into this week. All right, we'll get into that next. Nick Ackridge is going to join us from PFF, Pro Football Focus. He likes some things that the Commanders did two weeks ago in New York. Uh, what should they keep in the old playbook for that, and what are the things that concern him about this offense as well? As we continue here, it is overtime. Scott Jackson with you here, 106.7 The Fan, streaming live on the free Odyssey app. It is overtime. Scott Jackson with you here, 106.7 The Fan, streaming live as always on the free Odyssey app. Joining us right now via the BetQL guest hotline, Nick Ackridge from Pro Football Focus. Sports betting has come to Maryland. Don't place a bet without checking BetQL. BetQL analyzes every game to find the most profitable betting opportunities. Get three free days of BetQL access by downloading the BetQL app today or visit BetQL.com. Nick, good evening. How you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me. No problem. Uh, well, we'll do it again. Giants, uh, Commanders. I mean, you pro- you just broke the tape down a week ago, and now uh, yeah. here we are uh, with the rematch coming up on Sunday night football. And obviously, it's a high leverage game. Uh, really desperate times for the Giants. Suddenly, you know, haven't won a game in the division. They've dropped. Uh, you know, haven't won in their last four games, going 0-3 and one. And obviously, Washington. Uh, you know, is still talking about the missed opportunities in that game, as I'm sure they are in New York as well. Uh, as you watch the game, and I know uh, everybody's always very critical of this team's offense because they feel like it just has not reached the full potential of it yet. And, and you know, a lot of that lays on the feet of Scott Turner, the quarterbacks. Uh, but you, you, you kind of pulled out some gems from this game. I thought it was interesting uh, following it uh, this past week when you put it on your timeline. Yeah, I mean, it was um, it was just kind of another typical Commanders game that we've kind of been used to. I mean, it's. It's going to be a low-scoring, sort of slow, muddy type of game. It's just kind of, kind of come down to the end. And for the first time, no team actually got the lucky bounce. It was a very strange finish. Um, ties are never never fun to watch. Um, but, yeah, it was just it, – it, I think it's just going to be that way again. And we're just going to have to kind of get used to that. It's just how they play. It's how they kind of have to play now with, with um, the quarterback talent they have. So, yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting. Now, the breakdown you had of the overtime sequence, uh, explain to our listeners what you like so much about some of the, the play calling from uh, Scott Turner, uh, you know, in particular that uh, Curtis Samuel run in the OT. Yeah, it was um, – I'm a big fan of um, some of Scott Turner's, like, run concepts that he sets up. I think he does a, a good job of kind of getting his playmakers the ball. I love when they uh, use Curtis Samuel in the backfield. and So then they ran a trap play, which they were kind of setting up all game um, with Curtis Samuel in the back. Defensive lineman fell over, so you have a huge gain. And it gets you almost in field goal range. And everyone's thinking that you, you pretty much almost won it at that point. You know, you just can't, you know, get a turnover or go backwards. Um, next play was fine. Brian Robinson left a few yards on the table. Probably could have got three or four more if he bounced it outside. 
Um, then the second and seven was the key one. Uh, they ran an outside zone to the left, and Logan Thomas just completely whiffed on his block. Now, if he gets that block, you're looking at most likely a first down for Brian Robinson. Um, we're all used to kind of how he can get more out of nothing. But with with that missed block, just kind of shut everything down. And then you're back to looking at third and 10, third and nine or whatever it was. And then you call a screen, which I wasn't a huge fan of, but um, I think the criticisms of Turner on those first two plays weren't really warranted. I think they were they were good plays. And I think if the team just kind of executes the way they should have on those plays, I think you're looking at them easily being in field goal range, if not more. You know, as you look at that game, there was, again, there was, you know, they got off to the fast start. There were missed opportunities. Robinson ran out of bounds. Obviously, Heineke missed Logan Thomas uh, as well uh, in the red zone. But, you know, they did seem to, at least early going, you know, control the offensive line, you know, and then the defense was weird because they kind of struggled in that first half and then got their act together, obviously, as the game went on. But what would you what would you say going into this rematch that you would like to see maybe more of that we saw in the first game and maybe what was something that they they maybe need to tweak going into the second game? Yeah, I think they, they had to kind of max protect a lot uh, just because of the sort of deficiencies that, that we've kind of become accustomed to with the offensive line. I, I think that was a good game plan. The Giants have a very good defensive line. Um, I think you're going to need to do something like that again. And you, you kind of touched on it. You just you have to capitalize on those opportunities that they had. It's a When you play this sort of offense where you're going to run it a bunch and you're kind of going to survive on those four- to five-yard carries, you can't afford negative plays, can't afford penalties, whether or not they were the right call or not. Um, you can't afford those sort of plays and get behind the sticks and then kind of count on Heineke to make some magic on third and 10, third and 11 and stuff like that. So um, he did it a few times and the drive to tie the game that that fourth down play was, was vintage Taylor Heineke is one of the best plays I've seen him uh, make in a long time. But yeah, there was just a lot of missed opportunities. And I think if, if we saw Heineke convert on some of those, I don't think you see them even in overtime. I think you mentioned the Logan Thomas overthrow. He's, he had another one to, Jahan Dotson, it's just yeah. – he's an interesting quarterback. He, he does the, the hard things easily and then the easy things very hard. So <laughs> he's just kind of an enigma <laughs> in and of himself. Uh, that's great. <laughs> We're here with Nick Ackridge from Pro Football Focus uh, talking uh, commanders as we look ahead to the Giants game here on overtime on 106.7 The Fan. Scott Jackson with you. I don't know if you caught this today, but Ron Rivera you know, had a Zoom uh, conference. They talked about Carson Wentz, about his progress. He'll be the number two this week, and he also added – uh, you know, he'll be the primary backup going into this game, and we'll go from there. Uh, and that the we'll go from there has got people going, whoa, 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 what do you mean we're going to go from there? But, I mean, you do remember, I mean, he, he wasn't – he didn't say Taylor was going to start every game the remainder of the season when, when they said they were going to stick with him when Carson first uh, became available to come back. Uh, so, I, I don't know. I don't think this is that surprising that he's kind of leaving it open-ended because, obviously, if Taylor goes out there and plays horrible, I mean, he'd be crazy to roll it out again the following week. But – uh, what do you think they would get if they were to make a change at this point uh, with Wentz? Uh, do you feel like this offense uh, would get a jump, or would it be you know would just present some other issues? I think it's tough. I mean, I, I've always compared the two in that their results are sort of similar, but the way they go about it is just complete and total opposites. Yeah, Heineke is is very very good at you know kind of evading pressure, getting out of the pocket, and making those sort of plays and. And Carson Wentz these past couple of years has just struggled to get out of pressure. Um, a, a lot of times that's not necessarily his fault with the, the offensive line that we've kind of put in front of him, but he just doesn't have that athletic ability anymore to really get out and evade that sort of pressure. 
So he has to kind of stay within the pocket, and he hasn't been great in the pocket. Um, but then when you look at Heineke and you finally get him a clean pocket, he's not capitalizing on some of the plays that are designed up when you have you have guys running open. So I, I don't know what you would expect from Carson Wentz. He didn't look great. He didn't look very comfortable in the offense when he was, when he was first playing, but he had plenty of games to kind of sit and watch and sort of hopefully understand the offense even more. And, and if he does come into the game, which I wouldn't be very surprised about, um, just because I think Heineke has been these past couple games, it's been really poor, like the first three quarters. And for whatever reason, just kind of flips the switch in the fourth and starts making those plays. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see Wentz. I just, I don't know what to expect. I don't know how much more comfortable he is in the offense and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And they've obviously been owning time of possession. Um, these last, you know, this stretch with Taylor and in a little bit too with Carson, obviously that game against the bears they did prior to you know him being out. But yeah, I just wonder because he was so poor. I mean, they were so bad at converting third downs, right? I mean, is that you know can they can they really just plug and play him and they try to quote play the same style they're playing now with Heineke if that would really work? Because it just always seemed like there was always that back breaking sack or you know just you know he also was not the most accurate guy in the world as you know and, and didn't like to take checkdowns even though sometimes those were presented to him. Yeah, it's it's just going to be interesting because like you said if you had a lot of those backbreaking plays where he was taking sacks. And a lot of times some of the best plays that Heineke makes is just getting out of pressure and throwing it away. Yeah. And you're not taking those negative yards. And like I said earlier, if you have those negative plays within these, these sort of long running drives, it's, it really just destroys the drive. So when you have those sort of plays, it, that's why we saw the offense really, really sputter with Wentz at times. He yeah. made some great throws, some great plays, but everything needed to kind of be perfect. Um, with Heineke, you could kind of, have a little bit of a mess on that interior O-line, and he can work a little bit of magic and, and get out of there. But like I said, he's still missing some of the, some of the really easy stuff. So uh, the, the two of them are just – it's an interesting problem to have right now, and, and somehow you're still winning. So Yeah, no doubt. I mean, the defense has been awesome. Before we get to them, I don't know how much you paid attention to what Houston did this weekend, but the you know the kind of the alternating quarterback scenario where you, where you play two guys – and I think the snaps ended up being pretty close to even, if not, I think 33 each or something. I thought I saw it. Yeah, day. I saw that. I just don't know if Heineke's, Heineke's not really a Driscoll type. I don't know how willing right. he is to sort of run like that, but I, I think that'd be pretty interesting for sure. Yeah, I mean, or just even like, just okay, you know, Taylor has his plays that he likes and way will play, and then mm-hmm. Carson comes in and suddenly the DBs can't be, you know, sneaking up the line of scrimmage thinking we're not going to throw over their heads. You know what I mean? I mean, you just, just mm-hmm. kind of think of it that way. It would be interesting if they could find a way – to you know, work it in to to do you know just kind of just an, another way to you know maybe incorporate again some of the things they're missing right now by not having the bigger arm player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I would be shocked if they did something like that, but I mean, I wouldn't hate it. I think they have been needing to use Heineke's legs more often. Um, I'm not sure if that's something that he's just not really willing to do. They, they call a ton of read option plays where he has yeah. the chance to keep it, but he's just. He's not. Sometimes he shouldn't, and he's making the correct read. But there are there are opportunities for him to run. So I just don't know if he's really comfortable in running that much. Yeah, you know, he never really did it in college either. And yeah. he just, you know, after watching the master class that Marcus Mariota put on it um, a couple of weeks ago in person, <laughs> I mean, that guy. You don't know if he has the ball or not. I mean, he totally fakes you out of your, you know, your eye socket. Sometimes it's great. But I, I just don't think he's very good at it. But, yeah, I'm with you. He still needs to run more. There's other opportunities to run in scrambles and situations where, 
you know, there's they're they're running lanes, but uh, has not been doing that. And you just wonder if that's part of, hey, I'm the starter now. I don't want to get hurt. You know, that yeah. kind of stuff. Or is it somebody's in a swing thoughts, right? Like the coaches are saying, mm-hmm. hey, Taylor, we don't want you to get hurt because we're not really, you know, we're we're winning, and you know, just live for another play. I, I you know, that's that's the part that I'd be curious to know. Yeah, definitely. All right, final thing for you, Nick. Uh, the defense is playing at a top ten level right now. Uh, you know, look at it, and there's a lot of good things about it. The front, obviously, is terrific. You know, Jamin Davis has really raised his game to another level. Uh, safety play's been really good. The corner play, though, especially without Benjamin St. Juice, was a little dicey at times. How, how have they kind of been able to just, you know, keep themselves from being exposed in some of the areas? And the other one, of course, is John Bostic being on the field, although obviously the Texans got him for one big play. But how have they kind of done a good job, in your mind, disguising some of those weak areas on defense? They're they're just simply playing their assignments the way they're supposed to be played. Uh, we've seen it these past couple of years where defense kind of gets off to a slow start, and that has a lot to do with the scheme they sort of play. When you play these two high coverages, a lot of times you have to read routes and you're, you're switching guys. A lot of times you have to have a lot of trust in the guy next to you. So when you have these two safety pairs with Cameron Curl and Derek Forrest, they've been together for a while now. I know Forrest is just now starting, but they have that sort of trust there. Fuller's been there a while, so when you see them – it takes games, it takes reps for them to kind of get this trust and be able to trust somebody else that, hey, if I'm passing my man off to somebody else, he's going to be there. And So you saw a lot of times in these first couple games that there were a lot of busted coverages, missed assignments, and I think the key has just been they're just doing their job, they're doing their assignments, and when you do that, your defense is going to look a lot better. Yeah, it's been great. I mean, like I said, the, you know, they cracked into the top ten, um, and, a lot, and obviously in the – Total defense uh, is, what, number four, I think, at this point. Um, the season rankings and passing's eight, rushing's nine, scoring's tenth. I mean, and again, they're, they're keeping teams under 20 points a game. If they could just, you know, cash in on one extra drive a game as an offense, life could be a lot easier. Yep. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, you just have to capitalize. Like I said, if you you hit that Logan Thomas touchdown in the past week, yep. you, you hit other plays and you're, you're not in the situation you're in, you just you have to play perfect on defense for to kind of mask what the offense is doing. All right, Nick, well, we appreciate your time. Nick Ackridge uh, from uh, PFF, goodness, to give us some time tonight and here on Overtime. Uh, check him out on Twitter. Uh, give him a follow there uh, as uh, he gives you all the scores every week for the commanders. Obviously, a lot of good defensive scores throughout the season. <laughs> Offense has been week to week. But PFF underscore Nick Ackridge, uh, give him a follow there. Thanks a lot, Nick, for your time. Appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate you. All right, take care. Nick Ackridge uh, via the – BetQL guest hotline joining us talking uh, commanders and, of course, the rematch with the Giants this weekend. All right, coming up, we will uh, get to some more things off of uh, what Ron Rivera said today. And, again, the, the bright side of all this is it looks like many players are getting healthier. I have a better feel, I think, tomorrow when the injury report comes out, what that offensive line will look like. Um, that's, to me, very going to be very curious. Like, what does the O-line look like? He just mentioned the max protect issues from last week. What does the O-line look like this week? Is it more stabilized? Is it better? Because the early part of that game before the Cosme injury, it was rolling along it for sure. And then obviously things change after that. We'll get to uh, some of that coming up. It is the overtime here on 106.7 The Fan, streaming live on the free Odyssey app. It's overtime, 106.7 The Fan, streaming live on the free Odyssey app. we get some calls in the uh, next hour. Talking some Commanders, Giants, huge game. I mean, it, yes, huge game. I said it, Sunday Night Football, uh, a big one. 
uh, for Washington and obviously New York, uh, pretty desperate for them as well. I mean, the differential in terms of uh, playoff hopes for the winner versus the loser are, are ginormous. So, got to get it. You got to have it at home on uh, Sunday night. Interesting story just uh, came out a little while ago that the Atlanta Falcons don't know if Marcus Mariota is ever coming back. Uh, he was benched, you may remember. They announced that he would not be the starter this week, that Desmond Ritter would be the starter, and the rookie out of Cincinnati. Coach Arthur Smith had said that Mariota would be placed on the injured reserve for at least four games, which knocks him out of the rest of the season. They're probably not making the playoffs. He's not with the Falcons, according to a report in The Athletic uh, from Josh Kendall. said Smith told Mariota last Thursday that he'd be benched for Ritter. On Friday, Smith learned that Mariota planned to, quote, step away from the team. And little placing with the injured reserve, the Falcons could cut Mariota. He'd then head to waivers like Baker Mayfield. Instead, they obviously put him on the uh, injured reserve. So Mariota was the second overall pick in the 2015 draft. Obviously, he was with the Titans for, you know, until they decided Tannehill was their guy in 2019 after two seasons with the Raiders. He signed with the Falcons this offseason, receiving a $5 million signing bonus and fully guaranteed contract this year of just $1.75 million. I mean, he wasn't making crazy money at all. And now Logan Whiteside is going to be the backup to Ritter as Mariota is not with the team. Not not going to be with the team and not, obviously suiting up for the rest of the regular season. And I would, again, be very surprised if they even had a uh, postseason. So... That's crazy. That's that's wild, man. He just flat out done quit. See you. I'm not the starter. I'm out. Yeah, I don't think that sets him up good for an offseason market either. Oh, so you quit on the Falcons when you weren't the starter. Do you want to be our backup? <laughs> We're going to bring you into battle for the starting job. How will you take it if you're just the backup? Apparently not very well. Apparently not very well. That's, that's a little surprising. i kind of been... I kind of dug the way Mariota's playing at times this year. I mean, he's not the greatest thrower in the world, but I, I like – I mean, him as a runner, I don't know why they don't do it more. I thought the Falcons bailed out the commanders in that goal line scenario when they didn't let him, you know, run zone read because he was killing them in that game. They they really were – that first half, he had them on their heels. Better in the second half for the most part, but still really good. And, I, and, again, they had Tyler Algier, who's a load. I don't know why they didn't run him. They did a lot of goofy stuff. And we talk about, like, things and how seasons change, you know, the muff punt. And Chicago, certainly one of them, just like the Falcons going brain dead inside the red zone there at the end of the game, part of it too. I mean, because they would have got the ball – the commanders would have the ball back with barely any time and, like, no timeouts. They would have been very tough to drum up anything there. And instead they hold on for a six-point win. I mean, they, they would have just needed to drive and try to get a field goal, but still, it would have been very difficult without the timeouts and all the things involved there. But, you know, who knows? With the Heineke magic, you never know. But I, I thought there was some good things from Mariota in the run game, but not obviously the greatest pass in the world. I mean, he's throwing the ball low and high. I mean, he's kind of all over the place at times, but, you know, at the same time, to just flat-out quit, it's a little... Seems a little extreme. Doesn't seem like that's uh, a guy who really thought that out very well. All right, coming up in the uh, final hour on overtime, well, actually final 40-ish minutes before we hand it over to Caps Hockey, I want to get into, again, these comments from Ron Rivera. think it is any kind of a big deal that, you know, again, when talking about Carson Wentz today, 
about not making the move last week. I uh, think every should, should go accordingly. He'll be the primary backup going into this game, and we'll go from there. Like, does that go from there make you think, hmm, coach is kind of getting a little antsy with uh, the current quarterback to the thought that maybe, you know what, we're going to have to go from there. Does he, is he thinking in the back of the mind that he's going to have to go from there, meaning getting – Number 11 back on the field. Get your thoughts on that coming up in the uh, final hour. We'll go at 800-636-1067, 800-636-1067. And again, Taylor Heineke can shut all this stuff down. Just play. Just play. Just play like the guy who looked like he didn't know if he was ever going to get another start again. I think if he goes back to doing a little bit more of that, uh, I think he can end this story. But until he does that again, I think there's going to be – we'll go from there kind of hanging over. Uh, this this season or these next four weeks, and who knows? I mean, it, it could be an in-game thing this Sunday if it doesn't get off to the, on the right foot. We we'll get your calls on eight hundred six three six one zero six seven eight hundred six three six one zero six seven. Do you think Ron Rivera is thinking he may have to get back to Carson Wentz at some point before this year is over? We'll get your thoughts on that coming up next. It's overtime. Scott Jackson with you here on one zero six seven. The fan streaming live on the Free Odyssey app. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 